Hey, this is Howard Jacobson, and I am thrilled to be joined on the phone today by Bianca and Michael Alexander of ConsciousLivingTV.com. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Howard. So we met uh, a bunch of months ago on the uh, Holistic Health uh, Cruise, the, the Taste of Health, and to say that you know there were several thousand people on the on the boat, and there were probably half of those were were for the holistic health cruise but i went up and introduced myself to you guys because i saw you the first day in the dining room and i was just struck by something i'm not sure what it was your sort of your energy your presence your calmness some sort of radiance and i just i looked at you two and i said i got to know what their secret is and so that's that's the main reason we're having this call today is cuz i was uh, i was just hit by by some sort of spiritual, physical, emotional juju around um, something that you guys emanate. So I just wanted to wanted to put that out there. Um, and now let me just ask you what your secret is. <laughs> How do you... Uh, well, that... <laughs> Thank you for that. If, I'm glad we're on radio because if we were on TV, I'd be blushing. Uh, <laughs> so why, why don't we... Why don't we uh, yeah, that's a big open-ended question, but why don't we start with... Um, first of all, you, you guys, um, t tell us about you know, what, what you do, so just to ground uh, the listeners in, in the work that you do in the world, and then we'll get into kind of your backgrounds and some of the deeper aspects. Well, maybe I can just give a quick overview of what we do, and then Bianca can drill down a little bit on our background. Um, you know, we founded Conscious Living TV. Conscious Living TV is a digital network for evolutionary thought um we we founded it actually the idea the idea was conceived on our honeymoon interestingly enough uh we didn't conceive children we conceived conscious living tv um and it's now uh we we launched the um this show and the platform in 2007 uh on earth day so it's now about seven and a half years old um and equally Rowdy, probably to a seven and a half year old child, um, <laughs> and uh, essentially the 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 channel and the network is is about raising consciousness. That's the intention with which we we started it, and we know that consciousness comes from the inside out. It starts with us, and so we wanted really to uh, to be the change in in the world that we wanted to see. We wanted to create media that was about our evolution, that was uh, redefining what news is, that was about um, reshaping and, and reformatting uh, how we look at spirituality, how we look at healthy living, how we look at wellness, and really ground that, um, you know, ground that conversation in everyday living, and how do we live our life on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so Conscious Living is, a, you know, an award-winning destination uh, where people can come and, and learn about how to live more conscious. Um, and it's also, you know, we also distribute our content, our blogs, our videos, um, our TV shows uh, all across the world to uh, millions of people every year. So, so that, in a nutshell, I think is, is um, conscious living. Great. So Bianca, do that. Cool. So let, let me ahead. ask you, I mean, what, what that brings up for me is – what do you mean by consciousness? And when you you know you conceived this idea of something that needed to be in the world, maybe what, what do you see in other media 
that you would look at and say that's not conscious or it's not conscious enough? And I'll, I'll, I'll let the two of you kind of ping pong who wants to take uh, each, each question or you can, you know, both have a, have a whack at it. Yeah, well, maybe I'll, I'll jump in here. I thought that uh, that was a great sort of overview, Michael, and um, thank you, Howard, for having us on the show. We're so honored and definitely felt the same. You were kind of like our adopted family <laughs> on the on the ship during that week of uh, wonderful health and healing and delicious vegan food. So right, thankful right that yeah, a tour like that even exists, you know. It, it, this is a great opportunity to uh, eat good vibes and be around good vibes and I'm so glad we're keeping the good vibes going. So, you know, for, for us, I think, you know, consciousness is exactly that. I mean, there's hundreds, if not infinite, um, different definitions of the word conscious. You know, for us, um, you know, it's about awareness, being aware of um, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're doing, and the impact um, that we're having on ourselves, on our families, on our communities, on the world, on other people, because, you know, we all are connected, you know, every spiritual practice every religion, um, despite the different cultural or ethnic manifestations of that religion, you know, they share the, the unifying principle that we are one, we're part of one planet, we're part of one species, we're part of one uh, sort of body of living things, which includes all species, and I think part of the um, work that we're doing is really helping people to take one step towards being more aware, being more conscious, more spiritual, more environmentally friendly, more compassionate, more sensitive, um, more healthy, more vegan. Um, and, you know, the work that we do is, um, I think, really just a reflection of our own journey towards becoming more conscious and, and more aware of um, the fact that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, you know, versus the other way around. I think when you look at traditional mainstream, what I what I refer to now as mainstream media, there will be a time where mainstream media is conscious media, it's coming, um, maybe in our lifetime, you never know. Um, you know, when I look at um, traditional media, you know, you see that the, the whole purpose um, is about really breeding fear, um, confusion, uh, and, um, you know, if it leads, it leads. Those are the types of stories that you see, you know, turn on the news at any at any time of day, and pretty much that's what it's about. And the, the main reason I think a lot of people watch is that they're so afraid of missing some dire piece of information that can impact their fundamental survival, or I think we're at a point right now on the planet where it's about getting beyond survival and getting into thrival, where we can actually be um, more than just bodies that have to stay alive. And, you know, what a miserable existence. What about joy? What about happiness? What about recognizing what our purpose is spiritually um, on this earth. Why were we born? Why are we here? What is the meaning of the universe? What is the meaning of life? And those are the types of questions that, that we are, you know, constantly looking for the answers to. And, um, you know, our platform is uh, hopefully an attempt um, to share inspiration for people to begin thinking about the bigger questions in life and hopefully giving them some very tangible examples and, and ways and steps that they can take um, to be more conscious and to begin to step out of fear and into love and to step out of disease and into health and to step out of war and into peace. And, um, you know, through food, fashion, eco-travel, um, sustainable business, um, and many other different types of content, uh, we, we uh, you know, Basically, our, our life goal and our passion is getting up every day and, and sharing and shining a light on people who are doing that 
um, very well. And, and, and for some of us, maybe not doing it as well, giving them inspiration to, you know, take a step and, and get up and, you know, move and move in, I think, a, a better direction that ultimately impacts the community that we live in and the world and the planet and all living things. Beautiful. So one thing that I've noticed from watching a bunch of the videos and looking at the site as a whole is that you you guys are, I think, consciously uh, being role models, but in two very distinct ways. One is the role model of how you live in terms of the way you eat, the clothes you wear, the travel decisions you make, the lifestyle, but also role models in that you guys don't present yourselves as as the experts, as perfect, as having reached a destination, you're kind of our our tour guides um, was you know so that you you're you represent yourselves as very much on the same journey as everyone else and I'm wondering was that uh, a conscious decision um, and is that how is that accurate? do you feel that that's uh, how you go about it yeah i I would say i'm I'm glad to hear that that's what you uh, experience because I think it is a very conscious thing because we are, you know, we're all part of the continuum. And, you know, my, you know, my guru and, and the spiritual masters that we're sort of trying to follow and, and, um, you know, fundamentally apply the principles that have been, that have been laid down by all the, um, you know, all the prophets of all the religions that are essentially saying the same thing. Uh, you know, I struggle with that on a day-to-day basis as much as anybody else. And, um, you know, okay, I may, you know, I may be vegan and I may, uh, you know, practice yoga and meditate every day and, and do other things. But, you know, it's like life is a, is sort of, you know, you get the teachings from, you know, whatever religion you are and, and they're all essentially saying the same thing. But life is the, you know, it's the lab. It's the lab with which we live our life and we try to practice the principles that are, you know, keys to a happy life. And, um, you know, am I happier today than I was 10 years ago when I started this journey? Absolutely. And is it, is that a direct impact of the choices that I'm making? Absolutely. But am I as happy as I want to be? No. And, and do I still have a long way to go? Yeah, I, I, I think so. So, um, so from that perspective, I think it's, it's really just, uh, realizing, you know, even my journey to, to veganism and, and now to being, you know, more and more raw, uh, a raw foodist has been, you know, it's been a journey and it continues to be a journey. And I remember where, you know, when I thought I couldn't give up cheese and I thought I couldn't give up meat and I thought, you know, and I made fun of vegans, frankly. I didn't even know the word vegan, frankly. I, I made fun of vegetarians, I called them. And now I is one, you know, so it's, uh, that's that's part of the uh, the journey that 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 we're on. Yeah, and let me just piggyback on that. I think you know a big piece of what I think has turned me off, and I think has turned many people off from you know any sort of kind of fanatical based um, dogmatic um, you know philosophies, whether it's religion or um, being vegan or any sort of lifestyle um, choice, you know, is just being preached at and being talked down to. You know, we're all human beings. We're all, you know, here on this planet because we got some karma to work out. We all got some things that we're here to do to overcome, to transcend. And in that sense, you know, 
God to me is no respecter of persons and I'm no respecter of persons. It's like, you know, we're all trying to find our way to liberation. And in that sense, we're all equals. And, um, and I think it's just a, a much um, easier approach to digest um, when someone is transparent and honest and sharing with you their flaws and their concerns and their limitations because as human beings, we all can resonate and, and really relate to that. And so, you know, for us, yes, the journey is, you know, it's an eternal journey. You know, the, the, the spiritual path is an eternal path. You know, any um, person on the spiritual path or any spiritual master, whether it's Buddhist or Hindus or, you know, part of the Self-Realization Fellowship, which we are, would say that the beginner's mind, you know, is really the beginning of liberation and enlightenment when you know that you don't know, that you'll never know anything or never know everything there is to know. There's a certain humility and a and really a surrender to um, a higher power, a greater power and energy, the universe, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, that's guiding and shaping and moving everything. You know, I don't get up and pump a little machine to make my heart beat. Who's doing that? What's doing that? I'm not doing it. I mean, I can eat well, I can go for a run, you know, I can breathe, but there's an energy that is beyond um, all of us and yet connects us all together. And I think, you know, just the awareness of that truth, you can't help but be a humble person. You can't help but be open to um, learn about the, the, the mystery and the magic that, you know, this life is all about. And so, you know, we're on that journey and we love to share that and to hear from our viewers and our fans and other people, how, how are they navigating you know, the, the, the choppy waters of being a human being, being a spiritual being, you know, uh, in a human body living at this time on the planet where things are changing and shifting so quickly with technology. How do we find our place in this world? Um, and so, you know, I'm always open to learning from as many people and different practices and paths because, you know, I'm on the journey and have so much that I still don't know. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess each day is, is kind of like a new adventure, you know, and I think as I surrender to that, I feel like life gets a little bit easier every day. So for us, that's, I think that's a fundamental, that's just a fundamental um, principle for being a conscious person. Mm. So how, how did each of you um, find your way onto this path? Did you grow up in families where you meditated and did yoga and said gratitude prayers every night, or did you have to find find this and, and sort of what was what was your each of your catalysts um, well I can say you know for me I grew up um, in a you know fairly traditional family in San Francisco maybe one of three traditional families in San Francisco no <laughs> uh, but but you know uh-huh. it was a very traditional family and you know sort of waspy kind of and um, you know I went to Catholic school for a couple of years and then went to, you know, was, did the whole kind of Episcopalian thing. And, um, you know, we said our prayers at night and went to church and went to Sunday school, but that was basically the, the extent of it. Um, and like, you know, I, I joke about it, but I was, you know, I, I didn't, uh, get breast milk when I was born. I got Brie, um, <laughs> because, you know, as, you know, as a child, it's just like, in, especially in San Francisco, my parents were huge foodies and, and, uh, you know, grew up eating meat and cheese and there was always different kinds of cheese. And so, you know, from that perspective, 
I, I have a very traditional sort of background that certainly did not prepare me for the life that I have now. But, um, you know, really when I began, when I graduated from, from college and started my first business, which was running a distribution uh, network for uh, a nutrition a nutrition company and also for uh, a company that was producing eco-friendly products, um, that was sort of my initiation into, I would say, sort of opened my eyes up as to what was happening in Western medicine. And I began to understand what was happening in Eastern medicine and started getting acupuncture and chiropractic and doing things like neuroemotional technique and um, and seeing results, you know, seeing my life shift and my perceptions and my awareness shift and learning about what was happening in the Western, you know, um, in Western medicine. And so it was really from that sort of health-based and nutrition-based, um, what we would call in this country alternative medicine, but, you know, to me is, is sort of common sense. Um, that, that I, my eyes got opened up to this whole world and, um, and then from there have just sort of evolved. Uh, I, I, the one thing I will say about being, you know, a San Francisco native is that being an environmentalist was sort of bred into my, um, into myself and my dad used to plant trees for, for San Francisco beautiful. And, uh, and when I was, you know, in second grade, we went to John Muir's house, my public school and slept out and had a, you know, made adobe bricks and, Sort of, I didn't really know John Muir, but I liked it, and I liked camping out, and uh, we went camping every year. So I definitely have always felt connected to nature, and and so, you know, the importance of sustainability was definitely something that I think fundamentally I had as a young child, and and that was sort of my beginnings to sustainability, and then obviously my my chosen vocation as an entrepreneur, um, and as uh, you know, and working with holistic health products and eco-friendly products, there was sort of a natural uh, connection to that and, and an understanding of that. And so that's sort of how I began um, began my path. Mm-hmm. So it, so- it sounds like there was a, a sort of a gentle flowering of the consciousness. Um, I was listening for like, you know, the, the dark night of the soul and the crisis that I know it, it takes a lot of people, you know, a real like cosmic kick in the ass to, to get them there. It, sound, it yeah. sounds like you had, a, you had a more gentle path. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I think I was fortunate in that, uh, in that regard. Awesome. Definitely blessed. How about uh, you, Yeah, well, it's funny. My, my background is like completely different in many ways from Michael. I grew up on the East Coast uh, in Washington, D.C., which is not necessarily a hotbed for environmental (laughs) or health, uh, really, lifestyle, you'd think, given the government being here, legislation, you know, it comes from Washington, D.C., but sort of the the culture is one of ultra-conservatism and, um, you know, prestige comes from where you went to school and not sort of, you know, the content of your character, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, but the household I grew up in, you know, meditation was not a part of our day-to-day experience. We did, um, go to church every Sunday. Um, I, um, grew up, um, and was baptized in, um, the first, um, church founded by freed slaves here in Washington, D.C., African Methodist Episcopal. Frederick Douglass was one of the founding members, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and despite sort of that very kind of traditional Christian background, meditation was not something that was a practice that was um, embraced, despite the fact that if you 
read the Bible, anyone who's really read it carefully, you know, meditating on the word, meditating on the words of my heart. I mean, meditation is something that um, is very much a part of um, Christ's um, own spiritual journey. And, you know, there was a lot of his formative years um, that were spent as a yogi, you know, spending time in the East. A lot of people don't know that yet. Most theologians who, you know, I guess know their, know their, their stuff would be aware of the time that Christ did spend, um, you know, practicing and, you know, embracing sort of the, the true spirit of Christianity, which I think is the true spirit of, of all religions, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, Islam, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that was not something that I was necessarily taught. I was definitely taught that there is one way and, you know, you follow this or you're going to go to hell. And so you followed it because who wants to go to hell? Not really a fun, uh, creature. So, um, it was something that I always questioned because I just felt like, okay, if God is God, then isn't he God or she God or it God for everyone? It just didn't really make sense that there were certain people that were chosen and certain people that weren't. It didn't really resonate with, you know, the fundamental principles. Um, so I went off to college and basically abandoned all spirituality and religion altogether. And it wasn't actually until law school that I um, began exploring, um, and I think probably just the, the challenge of law school and feeling spiritually disconnected, um, you know, being sort of on a, on a fast track career path to making a lot of money and, um, you know, sort of being significant in the world from an external perspective, but not really feeling that I was on track in terms of my internal journey and who I was born to be in the world. Um, and so that's when I really began, you know, questioning and studying. And um, but it's interesting, the same token, I wasn't, um, despite, you know, being a very educated person, wasn't very educated about health. You know, I was a very uh, poor dietary choices, ate fast food, you know, drank, you know, did all the things that are not necessarily healthy. Um, but I thought they were sort of giving me kind of a, a reprieve from the stressful life that I was creating being on this path as a, you know, high-powered attorney. And, um, you know, and that was also kind of tracked the household that I grew up in, you know, people just ate whatever they ate and, you know, being uh, from the South and having family from the South, you know, a lot of heavy meat consumption, three meals a day, a lot of sugar consumption, a lot of high fat consumption, soul food, you know, these are the things that you think of when you think of, um, you know, what gives people diabetes, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our community, African community, who are suffering from diabetes and hypertension and high blood pressure and cancer and all these things that we know are, are linked to, you know, the diet that you eat and not adopting a plant-based diet and, and not adopting a more conscious sort of vibration, which, you know, can repel disease. Um, so for me, the, the path really began um, after I met Michael, um, moved from Washington, D.C., where I was working as an attorney to um, California, where I got a job as an entertainment attorney and then began getting into production and, and sort of more opportunities on the creative side. And that's where I really began exploring different ways to, to live, different ways to eat. Um, obviously, Michael's very knowledgeable about vitamins and supplements and health and did my first detoxes. And then I first took the step to become vegetarian, um, gave up meat, and, you know, just began the journey of exploring different religions. You know, we went to... Um, uh, we studied uh, the Church of Scientology, we studied Kabbalah, we studied under Agape, Reverend Bernard Michael Beckwith's um, church, you know, science of mind and affirmations and 
all of the religious practices. We even, I think we even got baptized at a Christian church. I mean, we were really on a, a, a seeking path. And, and that for us was very helpful just to have the freedom to say, hey, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I need to find something that, that resonates. Um, really, I think gave a nice, um, sort of departure for me from the kind of dogmatic, uh, religious background that, that I grew up, that I grew up in and, and kind of opened the door for me to, be open and both of us just exploring, you know, what, what is, what is spirituality to me? And, and that's when we started meditating and started with five minutes a day. And that was really hard because my mind was just constantly racing and all of the different thoughts, not to mention, you know, your diet has a huge impact on your consciousness. So it was really hard to just be settled. Um, but, you know, five minutes turned to 15 minutes, which turned to 30 minutes, which turned to 45 minutes, which turned to an hour, which turns to, you know, long, um, silent meditation retreats where we meditate for hours a day for days on end. So it's one of those things that I think happens over time when people hear, oh, God, you meditate, and how do you do this? It's not something that you – same thing with going vegan or being raw or being, you know, a yoga. I'm a certified yoga teacher. These are not things that I, you know, just woke up and decided I'm going to do. This has been 10 years, literally, of painstaking practice and working through the demons that come up when you sit on the mat or when you're in your yoga practice and just being willing to – have increased the pain tolerance for, you know, the, the body consciousness um, so that the light can come in. And, and over time, you know, like all holistic healing, you find yourself becoming lighter, becoming more aware, becoming a little less angry, becoming more generous. And um, and the path continues. I mean, there's, you know, I've got lifetimes of <laughs> spiritual work to do, but definitely um, surprises some of my family members when I come back home. It's like, whoa, yoga? Like, whoa, you're vegan? You're what, raw? What does that even mean? You know, and even though they don't necessarily understand it, and many of them would never even consider, you know, eating a, a vegetable for a meal <laughs> or even skipping meat one meal, there's definitely a magnetism and, and they, they can feel that there's something that's working and, and they're open and they're curious. And, um, you know, I think that it definitely is an interesting full circle being able to share that information, particularly in our communities where people are unfortunately tend to be you know, disproportionately unhealthy, you know, relative to other populations. So um, it is interesting, you know, that you never know where you're going to end up. And how I started out, I think, was definitely not necessarily the vision that I had for my life long term. But it, it, it's come, it's coming around uh, in a way that, that, that feels right. And, um, you know, I definitely feel like I'm in the center of my truth and living my dharma now and um, just open to, you know, how and where the journey is going to unfold next. Yes, what that brings up for me is, you know, something that I hear on the the fringes of a lot of these movements is that they're elitist. That, you know, if you're going to be, you know, juicing and doing raw and going on yoga retreats and meditating, that that's just for, you know, the the lucky or the fortunate or the, uh, you know, the hardworking few who've got all the money. And for the rest of us, um, we've, you know, we've got our survival to take care of. Um, and I, I noticed that one of the things you've done is, is uh, Soul of Green, which is around urban sustainability and, and social and food justice and economic empowerment. Um, how do you guys see what you're doing in terms of uplifting not just, you know, people who can afford to go on the holistic health cruise, but, but entire communities and populations? It's a great question, Bianca. Why don't you you answer that? 
Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it is such an important um, question, and I think a lot of people feel um, marginalized by the conscious movement and marginalized by the green movement, and that's exactly, I think, why, you know, myself as a person who's always been passionate about justice and truth and, and helping people, that's why I went to law school, um, you know, being able to pay back my student loans was kind of a secondary, you know, byproduct of that. But, you know, the heart of why I became an attorney was to be an advocate for change and positive change and justice and really, you know, giving a voice to those who are voiceless. Um, and and that's why, you know, we began Conscious Living um, as well, to bring a light, shed a light on those things that are, you know, typically the darkness does not want to, to bring to light. Because, hey, guess what? When people get healthy... There's a lot of businesses that are not going to be very successful. The pharmaceutical industry, the meat industry, I could go on and on and on and on. Um, so Solar Green was definitely an outgrowth of that, that same spirit, that same heart of service to, um, to the world and to those who, um, you know, are not necessarily given the spotlight in the green movement, in the conscious movement. And I think part of it is just the you know, kind of the, the pain body of um, of race in America. You know, as an African-American, you know, there's there's a huge pain body. And I think, you know, a lot of that obviously, you know, is just healing that has to happen between the races. But a big part of it is just, you know, we as people, whatever race, you know, you could, you could mention any ethnic group. It's just being willing to step into the light and say, hey, I'm not a victim. I'm empowered to make better choices for myself. And, and, First for me, Soul of Green was just a way to shine a light on those people of color and people in urban communities that are taking small steps and big steps towards stepping into the light, towards moving to a higher level of accountability for themselves and their communities, whether it's, you know, the urban gardening movement or, um, you know, engineers who are coming up with innovative solutions to uh, energy, uh, more sustainable energy, to, you know, people who are, you know, designing awesome outfits made from recycled, repurposed materials. And so that was a wonderful project um, that launched, you know, in a, in a big way for us in Chicago. Um, and, you know, Chicago, one of the most racially bifurcated cities in the United States. Um, so definitely a great population there to sort of inspire and empower and say, hey, listen, you know, you can be a part of this movement too. Unfortunately, the green movement has traditionally been led by white men. Um, you know, as you said, Howard, sort of people who are wealthy enough to have the luxury to think about sustainability, to think about their health, to think about meditation. And the fact is, you know, that we're all human beings. You know, we all want to be healthy. We, you know, nobody wants to get diabetes. Nobody wants to, you know, have to drink dirty water. Nobody wants to have to you know, um, live in an area where you know, their backyard is a toxic dump. Um, and that's something that unfortunately affects a lot of people of color disproportionately just given the, the fact that, you know, class and race and money, you know, in this country often intersect. And so, um, you know, what, what I say to, to communities, disenfranchised communities, you know, whether it's, you know, a poor white people living in Appalachia or, you know, my brothers and sisters living in the hood in Chicago, I say, hey, there's there's only one person that can help you, and that's you. And, you know, there's a lot of tiny steps you can take in the right direction. You don't have to go to uh, the Himalayas to meditate. You don't have to go on a $1,000 cruise or an expensive meditation retreat. You can sit right in your apartment, in your, you know, wherever you live, your tenement, you know, you don't have to have a meditation pillow. Just sit on the floor, sit on the bed, sit on... Um, the ground and close your eyes, take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. 
Mm. That's meditating. You know what I mean? It's like you don't need a lot of money to do that. And we can sometimes use money and access and I'm not enough-isms that we all have to to sort of stay in a, kind of a victim consciousness. And really part of it, I see that as a, as a form of spiritual laziness or emotional laziness. I don't want to have to do the work that it takes to meditate. And so I'd rather, you know, say, well, I don't have the money, or I don't have the time, or I don't have this. And I said, okay, well, if you have anxiety, if you've got issues in interacting and dealing with others in a supportive and positive way, you probably need to take a time out for yourself. You know, it doesn't matter what religion you follow. That's something that costs no money. And I say the same thing when it comes to, you know, growing food, you know, having your own food or or going organic or going vegan. How much does a packet of seeds cost? (laughs) Okay. You can get some, you know, on discount for like 50 cents. You know, everybody's got 50 cents. You know, if you got money to go to McDonald's and get some fries and a shake and a burger, you got money to buy some seeds and a little bit of soil and start planting. And this is one thing that we recommend to everybody. Everybody should be growing some food, even if it's on a little plot. And that's something that takes time and you have to kind of do some research. Internet is free. Get online. There's a YouTube video about just about anything you could possibly imagine, you know, as a gardener. And then if you don't want to garden, you don't want to buy your own food, then guess what? Many grocery stores, you don't have to go to shop at Whole Foods. Some people call Whole Foods Whole Paychecks. Go to, um, you know, community stores, you know, like Safeway. I don't know, it depends on where, where you're based, but there's a lot of grocery stores that have, you know, their own white-label private lines of organic produce, which is significantly cheaper than what you'd find, um, you know, at Whole Foods, much closer to the price that you pay for the other uh, non-organic Produce. So you can look for USDA certified organic produce that is definitely more affordable. And hey, at the end of the day, when I think about money, it's like, okay, the cost of going to the doctor, you know, when you're in your 50s, 60s, coming up with these strange diseases that people are getting, you add that up, it's a lot more expensive than adopting a plant-based organic diet. So, you know, it, it's just being willing to reprioritize how we think about ourselves and the fact that, you know, our health, our happiness, our consciousness is in our own hands, and God has given us everything we need to take a step forward to have the life that we were born to live. You know, nobody else is going to do it for us. You sit with your hand out, you're going to be waiting, and you're going to be pretty pissed off and pretty sick, too. So, you know, it's definitely about reorienting that energy and, as Gandhi says, being the change. And that, I think, is the, that's something that you can do for free um, if you if you choose. You know, it does take, it does take discipline, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's, I think, the journey we're all on. Some days I feel more empowered than others. You know, we all have our ups and downs, but it's, it's the power is in our hands. Right. And th- that brings up so many things for me. There's really a, a jumble that I'm going to try to make a little bit of sense of. And I know we have to, we have to close. You guys have, have stuff to do. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, so my, all my, my friends on the, the, the radical progressive left look at issues of poverty and racial injustice and class inequity and are very careful never to blame the victim. And, you know, this, this is, you know, institutionalized and they can point to all the history. Um, and that, that feels absolutely right to me. And at the same point, at the, at the same time, you're saying there is, there is a, a great power that, that is held by those who, who are marginalized and perceived as powerless. And it's not mm-hmm. the power to oppose. It's not the power to overthrow and, yeah. you know, s- swap places on the wheel, but it's, it's mm-hmm. the power 
to to transcend. I'm thinking a little That's bit about right. you know the HeartMath um, Institute mm-hmm. and their their studies on sort of global consciousness and getting pockets of meditators. And mm-hmm. you know, it seems like there's there's a place where the two, the you know pull your the, pull yourself up from your with your own bootstraps and the traditional left wing social justice movement can come together. And um, I guess I'm I'm really struggling to to figure out what it is. There's something deep Mm -hmm. that's that's, uh, struck for me, and I don't don't feel like I'm articulating it fully, but I think you, from from your affirmations, you sort of get where I'm trying to go. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's important. I think it's, you know, I think it depends on sort of the lens and uh, where you stand on what side of the lens, right? So, you know, from um, my perspective, I'm an African-American, born middle class, born a woman. Um, my parents weren't rich. They were both public school teachers. And, um, you know, I could have very easily been one of those people who was angry at the quote-unquote white man for all the things that I didn't have, all of the ski trips I didn't get to go on in high school, all of the, you know, all of the sort of financial material comforts that I would have wanted to have. But the opportunity that I had was to work hard in school, um, to really apply myself, and to just make that choice to say, okay, am I gonna, am I gonna go for it and try to make my life the best I can, or am I gonna sit around kiss and wait for somebody to take care of me? So from my perspective, and I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the individual. You know, I can't say for someone else how they should live their life, and that's really what conscious living is about. It's about, okay, here's, here's information if you want to move in that direction. It's not for everyone. You know, the path of self-empowerment isn't for everyone. Most People on the planet may never choose that in their lifetime. Many people will. Um, but by the same token, for me, um, social justice is a part of my personal empowerment. And so I can decide for myself, hey, I want to be a part of helping other people, not because they're victims and they can't do it without me, which I think with that comes a bit of, you know, um, patriarchal tendencies. You know, we have to come in and save the people living in the inner cities and that sort of thing which can be a slippery slope as well, because it's like, are we saving them? How much is welfare saving people who are poor? or And how much is it creating a handicap for them? I mean, that's, you know, that's a whole philosophical conversation we get into. I'm not saying I'm against welfare. I'm for what is going to move our society forward, but by the same token, there's no panacea. There's no one solution, because at the end of the day, it comes back to the spiritual truth that only I can be accountable for myself. No one else is responsible for me. And that gives me a certain sense of peace. That being said, part of my spiritual practice is also taking care of my brother, you know. And so for me, if there's some help that I can offer to another human being and I'm able to do that without hurting myself, I feel that's part of my personal spiritual obligation. Um, But I can't impose that ideology on another person no more than I would impose a religious belief or a religious set of dogma. So, you know, I think we have to just begin thinking differently about how can we actually spark that, you know, ignite the spark within every soul to say, hey, I want a better life. I want more for myself. I think ultimately that is where a lot of social reform has fallen short. Because without that, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at a problem. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at the slums. And, and until the people that live there feel that they're worthy of having a healthy, happy sober life. It's just going to continue to be money that will have to continue to be reinvested over and over and over again without actually moving people out of the consciousness that creates the problem. 
you know, we can we can focus on what's happening in the material world and we can begin stepping beyond that into what I consider kind of a cosmic consciousness, an astral consciousness, where we can say, okay, these are spiritual beings having a human experience. How can I reflect their highest soul identity back to them so they can see themselves and then want more? And then from there, money spent will be well spent. So, you know, I, I see both sides of that, but I think at the end of the day, without sort of the spiritual awareness, you know, we just continue to have the same recurring cycle of addiction, poverty, and disease. And, and you can see it for, for, for centuries. Um, and I think, you know, it's time to begin, as Einstein says, raising consciousness beyond the consciousness of the problem. We can't approach the problem from the same consciousness that created it. Right. Michael, do you have anything to add on that? I do. I, uh, you know, I think. Well, first of all, I, you know, that's part of why I married her because she's just so. I don't know. On point, I'll call it. Um, but um, <clears throat> I think personally, you know, at the end of the day, we all have choices, and the choice is: Am I going to be a victim of my circumstances, or am I going to choose to transcend them? And you know, in the African American community you look at you can look at Oprah and you can look at Obama and you can look at Jay-Z and Beyonce and you can look at all these people that have transcended their circumstances to be victorious and in many regards to run much of uh, what is happening in the world um, you know it, you could arguably say the most powerful people in the United States are, are black so from that perspective that is a uh, an opportunity in the african-american community that doesn't necessarily relate or connect as much to me because I'm white. But within my own circumstances, I've had to transcend and still struggle on a day-to-day -day basis with transcending growing up in an alcoholic family and being sexually abused as a young child. And so, you know, I have, and, and it's, but for Bianca, in many instances, helping me to get out of my poor me victim mode. And, you know, she's a strong woman. And there's been many times she's had to really, uh, uh, I'll say get in my face uh, to to get me out of that mode that's like I'm I'm victimized by my circumstances because this screwed me up so much as a child and I can't get out of my own head. I can't get out of my own way. I can't overcome this this belief system that I am not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of success. I'm not worthy of health. And I can't get out of these self-destructive behaviors that are fed by this belief system that was created as a child. And so... At, at the end of the day, could I could I have a an argument with somebody or a conversation with somebody who's African American and somebody who's Jewish and and, and wants to um, you know discuss the the horrific uh, things that the Nazis did and the eradication or the uh, the, the attempted eradication of of, of uh, Jewish people on the planet and could we all have a conversation about who is most victimized? And I could say, well, okay, well, your skin color, and you may experience systematic, uh, you know, racism for generations. But you know, I uh, have a belief system that I'm simply uh, from the inside that I'm simply not worthy and not, uh, you know, not not worthy of love. And so, therefore, self-destructive behaviors are all I can do. And somebody, you know, as we've had with several of our Jewish friends who say, no, we've had it the worst. And because of what happened to us in, in, in Hitler and, and throughout history. And so we could all go round and round and every person. And guess what? The American Indians could jump in and say, hey, listen, this this country has lied to us countless and c continues to lie to us 
on a day-to-day basis, and we continue to get screwed as a people on a day-to-day basis. And and they, you came into our land, and you have systematically eradicated us and continually to, to perpetuate a genocide. So I think all people can, can draw upon that, whether it's internal, whether it's something of my situation, whether it's external. I think at the end of the day, we all have a choice to say, is that going to be the conversation that we're all going to have about who's the most victimized? Or are we going to elevate the dialogue and begin to to take personal responsibility for our life and say no, I'm going to um, I'm going to overcome, and I think at the end of the day that's really what conscious living is all about. And you know, Bianca's our the CEO of our company. Why? Because she is uh, she is the chosen leader of our company. Even though I'm a white man and I'm technically should be you know, according to a certain mindset, should be the CEO. The fact of the matter is she's better equipped and she's a terrific CEO. So, and I'm following her and, and following her guidance on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, conscious living and what we're trying to do is simply elevate the dialogue and start from the inside. From the inside out and from that place, not try to preach, but instead try to um, to demonstrate by being the change. I, to me, that just goes full circle to what you began with, which is talking about, you know, all traditions, all religions talk about one one unified spirit. And it seems like, the you know, we can use our uh, the ways in which we've been hurt and broken to keep us separate. But mm-hmm. it's much more powerful to use our own experience of brokenness, of trauma, of fear mm-hmm. to understand and empathize mm-hmm. and and connect that mm-hmm. you know that how how could i connect with the life that um you know an african american person in an inner city uh grew up with and you know how could i understand what it would be be like um to be feared walking down the street or all the you know all the things that i hear yeah. and mm-hmm. yet you know and i can't to, but to some extent I have inside me horrors and pains that once mm-hmm. I just allow them to wash over me, once I meditate on them and I don't run mm-hmm. away from them, I think that's that's the point at which I can become, if not an expert on your life and your problems, at least mm-hmm. someone, you know, someone who can connect with you about it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the solution to all of our problems lies lies within. You know, being the change is not it's not just a cliche. It's real. And and some of the questions and you know, we live in a time of paradox. That's what this world is designed to be. It's set up to be a delusionary merry-go-round, <laughs> so that we have uh, through our sufferings eventually enough of a desire to actually transcend, as you say. And to, and to move towards the light, you know. So it's, it's gotta be pretty bad to make us want to do that, you know. And, and oftentimes it's, you know, depression or health issues that make us reach for better choices. And I think ultimately, you know, we're all here on our individual spiritual journeys. And that inner work is where all the solutions to all of the world's problems, the diseases, the welfare, all the solution is there. Um, but if we continue, you know, trying to sort of fix the shadow, so to speak, you know, the shadow is just a reflection. <laughs> Let's get to the source. You know what I mean? You try to move your hand, move the hand, move the shadow, move the hand, you know. 
Um, and it's just, again, it's a different consciousness of, of looking at the world that we live in. You know, you can spend all of your life force dumping resources and energy and anger at the shadow. You're not going to move it until you move your arm. And that's when the entire picture changes. Um, and it's so simple. It's so subtle, but also so hard at the same time because it means we have to get our heads out of our own, excuse me, asses, so to speak, you know, and look up, you know, look up something that I say to my yoga students, you know, when they're in tree pose and falling, falling out of balance, you know, it's like, okay, find your dristi, you know, bring that awareness inward to the third eye, the, the, the spiritual center, the conscious center, the Christ center, you know, and when you find that inner stillness within, the outer world starts to fade away and you find the courage and the strength to stand, to stand tall. Right. And while you're falling over, are you, can you be okay with that too? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. one of those teachers that's like, I fall out of tree pose, you fall out, okay, good, get right back up. Don't, don't pit, no pity party, just get right back up. You fall out, that's actually one of the ways that you strengthen your core, because you, can, you, you get to feel where your edge is. Same thing like in snowboarding or any sport. It's like by falling, you get to say, oh, okay, I should have, you know, sunk down a little bit deeper in my knees, or maybe, maybe been a little bit more focused, or hey, i got to attack the mountain. You know, if I just want to cruise, I'm going to keep you know, falling flat on my butt. I'm still working on snowboarding, but anyway. Um, but I think the errors is where you, it, it's, it's, you know, that's the practice. And again, that comes back to the humility of the beginner's mind. With that humility, there's no problem, no mountain that can't be, that can't be climbed. Right. And I love that we're ending with, you know, snowboarding, that this is not all about, <laughs> you know, rarefied pursuits. This is, you know, brushing your teeth, cooking a meal, Having an argument with a spouse, it's, it, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no moment in our lives that's not an opportunity to choose love over fear. That's it. That's exactly. It. exactly. Well said. Exactly. Well, so I know I've, I've kept you for half, for 15 minutes longer than I promised. I, uh, really, really appreciate your generosity and your time with us today and, the incredible work that you do. I hope that, uh, you know, my introduction was how I, I sort of instantly fell in love with you guys at first sight. I hope for people who have been, listen been listening that uh, my instincts were good. <laughs> well, we fell in love with you and your family, too. And we're so glad that you uh, were so welcoming to us because that was our first cruise. And it ended up being such a, such a beautiful, beautiful experience. And, and we're so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world, you know, as an author, as a consultant, as an entrepreneur, and, and really helping to, to expand um, consciousness and, and the light that benefits all of us. So thank you for, for having us and, and you know, well, for being the change. Yeah, I have to tell and you. And as a farmer and as a, as a dad, too. Yeah. Because your kids are, are you know, the, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree and your kids are amazing. Oh, thank you. Geniuses. I, I did have to lock the office door when I told them who I was interviewing today. <laughs> Give them our love, please. Big hugs to everybody. And Absolutely. All right, thank well, you so you guys, much, Howard. This has so, been great. So for people who want to follow you, uh, tell us your website. ConsciousLivingTV.com. Conscious All right. ConsciousLivingTV.com. Yes, and on Twitter, at ConsciousTV. Conscious TV on Twitter. Awesome. Well, so follow these guys. They're amazing. Um, thank you so much. Go from strength to strength, and I hope we get to ch talk again soon. Yes, us too. Uh, thanks so much, Howard. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Howard. This is great. Be blessed. Right, thanks. God bless you. Bye-bye.